Hey everybody, welcome to season two of the Coffee and Conversation podcast. Hey, just a little bit of an admin note. Uh, the first couple episodes of this season, the audio quality is, is really poor. We were having some unknown mic issues, and so you're going to hear some, some fluctuating audio throughout this podcast and others. Uh, we did fix the problem. Um, I think midway through the season, so um, we do apologize for the inconvenience there, but um, I hope the content outweighs uh, the audio issues and and that you continue to subscribe. Uh, Thanks uh, again for being a faithful listener, and here's the show. Welcome to Coffee and Conversation, a podcast that's all in the name. Good coffee with great conversation. Here's your host, Larry Vincent. All right, well, welcome to the Coffee and Conversation podcast. I am your host, Larry Vincent, and uh, with me today is somebody that I uh, respect highly uh, and is becoming a, a close friend, I would say. I hope she would agree with me. Uh, April uh, Bordeaux, right? Thanks for having me. Hey, my pleasure. Now, uh, I, 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 one of my traditions here for Coffee and Conversation is called the first sip. It it's really is torture for anybody who really loves coffee. And, 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 and we can freely admit that you have no coffee in front of you today. Right. What, 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 what are you drinking? I am drinking a chai latte. Okay, so you're drinking a chai latte with no water. No, right. no, no water? Right. So chai is made with milk and water. Yes. Um, some say that the water opens up the taste of the chai, but I feel like the water waters it down. So I like. Okay, myself. Yeah, well, okay, that's that, that that's that that's fair. Uh, you know, I I'm kind of a purist a little bit, April, uh, and so I do enjoy my chai with with water, uh, less milk actually. You know. You have chai. I do not. I have coffee because. You know, this is coffee and conversation, not chai and conversation. However, uh, I, I feel like maybe today we'll just call it coffee chai and conversation. Okay. If you, uh, if you, do you like coffee at all? Not, not really. So, no. if, sorry, you're on the wrong podcast, <laughs> April. <laughs> there's enough creamer in it, so I kind of like my coffee with some creamer. So not really. So there's a thing called a chai bomb or a dirty chai. Have you ever ever heard of that? I haven't. So it's chai with a shot of espresso. Uh, well, I have a, I have two shots of mocha. That's that's close. not even close. Same, same bean. <laughs> <laughs> same bean. Oh, all right. Well, we will take our first sip. Um, so, uh, cheers. Cheers. All right. That is good. Yeah. That is good. Oh, I didn't tell. I was having a blonde cafe latte. Uh, a little uh, a version from my normal. Um, I'm, 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 I'm a little bit in mourning because the Starbucks uh, that I prefer is closed for the next couple of weeks while they do construction. So, um, so uh, I'll drink one for me. I'll drink one for my homies. Um, <laughs> but I look forward to them reopening rather soon. Um, so, but we're, we're only here to drink coffee and have conversation April. So I want to give you just a couple of minutes, um, to, to do a couple of things for me. Number one, uh, a little bit about your story of, of faith, you know, uh, how you came to Christ, you know, in a short abridged version, if you don't mind. Um, and then secondly, I would love to hear about what you do at Care to Change, what, what's the purpose of Care to Change, and 
um, you know, things like that. So, uh, and I did a poor job of hosting. I forgot to mention that April Bordeaux is the uh, director. Is that correct? Is that the, uh, the correct title of Care to Change uh, in Avon, which is a counseling center here in Hendricks County, uh, and does fantastic work over there. So, all right, the floor is yours. Thank you. So, in terms of my faith journey, I was raised in a broken home. Um, came from a place of poverty. There were four of us children, and I had a mother who um, really lived by faith, and um, right down to what the next meal would bring. So I was really raised in a place of desperation, needing mm-hmm. Christ, uh, but didn't really make the relationship with God mine until well after my college years when I met my current husband. So had some time where I did what people would normally think of teenagers and college students would do and and uh, went to a place that uh, I'm not so proud of today but but knew that I needed God so really went back to my roots after I met my husband okay awesome um, so so strong Christian now for how long uh, 20 years 20 years praise God that, yes. that that's absolutely amazing yes. uh, now tell me a little bit about care to change care to change was really born a not quite five years ago, the idea of Care to Change, uh, my business partner and I, who also happens to attend Cornerstone Christian Church, you know. I, I don't want to give him a lot of credit because the man, uh, <laughs> it, it, he's just a big head. He just got... He needs a lot of credit. <laughs> he's the force that you don't see behind Care no, to Change. No, Dave Blanford is an amazing individual yes. Um, yes. that I look up to a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm glad that Dave is part of this. Yeah, he's yeah. he's special. Um I actually met Dave and his family not quite 20 years ago, okay. and um, and through a, um, a different ministry that Cornerstone supports. But um, we knew at that time that there was a need for solid Christian counseling here in this area, and so uh, he and I did some, you know, field research, if you would, talking with different leaders in the community and church church pastors and community members and just said, what is the need for mental health services, behavioral health services, just supportive services for families? And across the board, 100%, we have a need. And so we started to work on finding a location, found the place that we're in. And about two and a half years ago, we opened for service officially to serve families. And um, we have a variety of services that we offer the one uh what i would say is that everyone that we have on our team there are 19 of us um everyone on our team have a specific area of specialty i did not realize you had 19 staff yeah that's amazing yeah i know we're we're gonna continue to grow as long as there's a need yeah so what are the specialities uh did i say that right specialties specialities yeah Yeah, i'm gonna get made fun of for that one (laughs) special what are the specialties uh that you guys that you guys provide sure so we have different kinds of specialties, but each person has to designate what area of specialty they're trained in because what we offer is evidence-based models. Okay. So we're not generalists there. Um, that so makes no sense to anyone outside. What, what okay. does that mean? What that means, I'll give you an example that everyone will understand. Okay. If you have a heart issue, you don't want to go to your primary care physician. You want to go to a cardiologist. Oh, okay, sure. So if you've experienced trauma... Mm-hmm. You don't want to go to someone who just graduated and doesn't know other than what they've read in a book about trauma. Right, right. right so right. 
everyone has an area of specialty. So for example, one area of interest maybe to you would be we have a combat veteran on our team who yeah. specializes in military support, PTSD, mm. working with families affected by what happens in military. Right. So that's one example. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So we have we do marriages, we do kids and parenting, we do a lot of trauma work. A lot yeah. of trauma work, overcoming abuse. We have Someone who specializes in eating disorders and body image. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. We have a, a financial counselor on our team who was trained at the Dave Ramsey place who helps families get out of debt and um, make a budget. So each person really has a, an area of focus. Uh, that's amazing. I mean, I, I, I knew that you guys, I mean, obviously I knew about the combat guy. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't know if you told me or one of your other counselors told me or if I just heard it through the grapevine. Um, you know, because of my struggles with PTSD, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I've been told quite a few times about, uh, about him, uh, and, but I've heard nothing but great things about care to change. Now you said an interesting, an interesting word. I'm going to try to remember, uh, the actual, the actual word that you, that you had, that you used about Christian counseling, uh, about, was it, uh, was it strong Christian counseling? Is that what the word you use? But you, you had a positive connotation with it, you know, mm -hmm. because honestly, as I, in my experience as a minister, I've been in ministry 18 years now. Um, you know, there's there there's not a lot of good um, uh, things to say when I talk to people about Christian counselors. Mm -hmm. You know, so so how do you combat that? Um, and, and you know, how do you make sure that you rise above that stereotype mm -hmm. that a Christian counselor just isn't up to par to say a, a, a non-Christian right. uh, counselor? Right. You know, I think with any area of service, you'll find pockets of people who do good work and, and those who don't. Yeah. And so for us at Care to Change, really, you know, th three, three topics come to mind. One is the experience. Mm -hmm. uh, someone needs to have experience in whatever it is um, that they are helping a person walk through. Uh, one, you know, the Christian aspect is the foundation for why we do what we do. But let's face it, not everyone who comes to care to change or seeks counseling wants something to do with God. And right. so we have to walk that path yeah. from a very different uh, way because we're not going to force what we believe on someone who comes to our office. And then the evidence base is... I think really what separates when you say, well, let's face it, there's some, you know, n not a good vibe when it comes to Christian counseling. If someone comes and they're in anguish and they come and they want, they want to talk to a pastor or clergy or someone, they say, I'm in anguish and here's what's happening. And if the answer is pray more. Yes. And there's not specific things and, and praying is good and praying makes a difference and there right. is power in prayer. Yes. All of that. But yes. if that is the only answer and someone is you know, biologically, um, clinically depressed, you know, medication might need to be in order. And so we have to look at not, because really science and scripture will coincide. They right. support each other. Yeah, and so in the, the counseling process, it really is using what research says, science says, whether it has to do with medic medication or some um, treatment, as well as what the scripture says. And they really do go hand in hand. Yeah, you guys uh, care to change. Uh, what I'm mentioning specifically, do a really good job of, of, of making sure um, that you that you you know redefine the stereotype of what Christian counseling mm -hmm. is. Um, you know, I I know tons of, of good Christian counselors, and mm -hmm. uh, you know, but 
uh, you know, it just seems like the mindset of most people is like, oh, don't go to a Christian counselor, right? But you guys do a really good job of redefining that here in Hendricks County. It's it's because it's not a soft sport. Yeah. It's not something where, you know, it's really blue and it's let's just talk feelings and yeah. what people might have as a stereotype for counseling. Come in, talk about your problems, and then leave. There right. are true, there are real practical things people can do to overcome challenges that they're facing. Right. And it's not just open the word and find faith in the word. That is a, that is an area, you know. Yeah. Um, but there are things that, that we can do in, in ways that we can work with people. So it's it, it really is a, a combination of faith and science and experience all coming together to help the families we serve. Why do you think there, uh, you know, it, it's so hard um, for Christians to... Um, accept uh, the need for counseling or even the validity mm-hmm. uh, for, for counseling. Uh, you know, and, and I'll preface it with this because uh, what I have found in my own struggles uh, is that it is hard to speak out on these topics mm-hmm. uh, because you're afraid of you know, the backlash you're going to get, mm-hmm. the comments you're going to get, um, the uneasy conversations you're going to have. You mm-hmm. know. Uh, why do you think that is such the case within within Christianity? You know, sometimes I think, and I don't mean this offensively, so um, don't be offended by what I'm about ready to say, but I, I sometimes think we've forgotten that a church is sort of like a hospital. Mm-hmm. And so it's okay to come broken. Yes, yes, right? yes. And so... As Christians, we're supposed to, I'm putting my fingers up for quote, you know, like, quote, have it all together. And so if we're struggling in our marriage or if we're struggling as a parent or if we're struggling with depression or anxiety, right. well, then A, we either don't have enough faith right. or B, we must be suffering from some kind of sin, right? Or there mm-hmm. must be something wrong with us. So there's quite a lot of shame, you know, unintentionally sometimes. Right. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, without speaking of it, and, and when you say, why is that, um, you know, if if it's not normalized to say, hey, I need help, then people aren't going to reach for help, whether it's in a church or, or somewhere else. We have created a, a culture of, of perfection. I mean, if you mm-hmm. think about, I mean, look, think about social media and, and the things right. that we post on social media. We post right. our best pictures. We post our right. best selfies. Uh, we post statuses that make people laugh instead right. of cry, you know, and right. we don't show the reality of what we are, of right. who we are, right? And so we come into church, uh, and people ask how you're doing, right? right? And you say, I'm fine, e- even if you're not fine, right? right? right. Um, and, and, and one thing that, that just gets me is I think people are okay with you going through something, mm-hmm. but not for prolonged periods of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in, in my experience, if you... Have, you know, if you if you lose somebody, um, if you are grieving, or if you're depressed, or if you're going through a hard time, you have about a two week window to where people will feel sorry for you, and and right. then they'll either right. uh, ignore you, avoid you, or tell you to you know to shape up and you know and you know have the joy of the Lord. Now I'm using quotation marks, right? Right. Uh, and by the way, I appreciate you for the podcast audience telling us what you're doing with your fingers. That that's helpful. <laughs> <laughs> now it's really good for us because now it reminds me. Oh yeah, hey, I'm using quotes right, right. now. Uh, right, it's good. But but that's the, I mean, is that what you notice? Do you notice the same kind of thing? Like at that two week, that two week window, and even if you do have a problem, 
Um, after that two-week window, people just rather just mm -hmm. avoid you or ignore you or tell you to, you know, to fix it? It, it is, and that speaks more of the person who's not willing to walk in the mess yeah. than it does the person who's struggling. Because what we want to do is we want to say, in passing, in the lobby, I'll pray for you, and because it makes us feel better that right. we have some stock answer. Yes. God knows. Um, God's going to be with you, you know. Yeah. Let go and let God, oh. you know, all the trite things that, <laughs> that people say. The cliche things. Right, yeah. right. Because, yeah. But the reality is life is messy and problems don't go away right. in a week or two. But the person on the receiving end doesn't have an answer. Yes. And isn't sure where to enter into the process, whether it's grief or loss or some kind of trauma or whatever. And so it's easier on the other end to just say the things that we hear. Yeah. Oh, it'll be fine. God's got you. Yeah. You know, yeah. those things. We And I think we know at the very beginning, you know, we could just be there to, for, to be a shoulder to cry on. Right. Uh, but eventually, it's like, I have to say something. She's not, she or he are not doing what they should, they should be. They're not, right. they're, they're, their faith is suffering now. And then we speak out. This is what happens in Job. At the very right. beginning, if you notice, if you notice at the very beginning of the book of Job, the mm -hmm. friends sit and they stay right. silent. And they let Job say the first words perfect right. right right but then when they feel the freedom to talk mm -hmm. they put the foot in their mouths and mm -hmm. I feel like that is the common Christian issue right uh, that we do all the time like as soon as we get we have permission now we're gonna tell you how exactly we right. feel right right and, and that becomes that becomes the problem right. you know so you know here we are we're encouraging people mm -hmm. to um, uh, to share and to be transparent Right. But good golly, why would we want people to do that if this is the response they're going to get? Right. So, right. so let, let's say you know you're 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 talking to somebody and you're encouraging them to to do these things to be to be open to be transparent to be honest you know in a in a, in a way that's um, appropriate for the situation right. right you don't want oversharing but how do you encourage them knowing that this is the current culture of the church right finding safe people yeah safe times and safe places okay. is How do you important. Do that? So maybe if a family is considering divorce or announcing that they're going to, going to be divorced or they've just found out there's an affair or some sort of major life change is coming or pending, mm -hmm. um, to, to share it, you know, as you're walking in to grab your um, program on, <laughs> on the way in doesn't really allow for time to really enter into that process. Yes. yes. So somebody coming up and say, hey, good morning. How are you? I'm getting divorced is not the response right. you, want, you right. want to give, right? Yeah. Lobby conversations, you know, um, the the water fountain conversations, yes. mm -hmm. not the right time, not the right place, right. you know? And and I know for, for me, you know, being in a therapist, you know, at a church, it's a, a big church, having people stop me and they want to update me or ask yeah. the question, you know, you know, kind of stuck, like, I really want to help, but this isn't the time. And so right. for the person on the receiving end to be able to say, let's plan a time because it is way too important yes. for us to try to talk about that right now. Mm -hmm. But people don't think that no. they're sort of bombarded deer in the headlights when yeah. someone says something. Yeah. And so the response is very knee jerk. Right. It's a, it's a quick reaction and it doesn't touch the anxious, the anxiety, the anguish that the person on the other side is feeling. And then they think, 
there must be something wrong with me. Why did I share? I shouldn't have shared. They don't care. Right, right. Whatever thought comes to them. And so then they yeah. don't share again or they, you yeah. know, so. So I've been on both sides of this, mm -hmm. uh, as you can imagine, being a pastor. You know, I've had people come up to me. Right. And, and you know, on a Sunday morning, just unload, right? Right. And, and there's a there's a couple of responses. You know, number one, I can say, well, let's go to a room if it seems like an emergency. Let's go to a room. Let's right. you know, let's talk it out. As a matter of fact, I did that yesterday. Um, you know, and uh, you know, let's just talk it out, and have a good conversation. And we did we did that, and we do that. And then there's other times like, listen, I want to deal with this, like you said, I want mm -hmm. to deal with this, but this is not the time or the right. place. Right. Um, you know, let's make an appointment. Let's get our phones out. Let's right. make an appointment right now. And let's, right. And let's talk. You know, uh, and I think I think there's wisdom in that. You know, discerning mm -hmm. that. You know, and especially, you know, you, you gotta, you know, as a pastor, you have to think. All right, especially if you're the regular preacher. You know, uh, if you're right. the, yeah, if you're a regular preacher, you gotta right. get up on stage and you gotta, you, right. you know, I have to help the mass. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and so let me focus on this individual. Um, give him or her the time they deserve. Right. Uh, but let's do it in a spot where I'm not as distracted, you know, mm -hmm. because you're not going to get all of me right now, right? right. Uh, and I think that's a fair. I think that's a fair mm -hmm. thing to say. But on the other side, I have, I have, I am learning um, what is appropriate to share that's and not right. to share, mm -hmm. right? right? You know, because you know, if I have a bad day um, and somebody walks up to me, what I have learned to say, and I think, please give me, tell, let me know how this works, is I, I have said. You know, today's, today's not a good day. Today's a bad day. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm really struggling today. Um, but, you know, it's not something I can talk about right now. Right. You know, uh, and they they either A, pray for me right then and there. I've had a couple mm -hmm. people do that. I'm really thankful for those people, like a quick 10-second prayer. Mm -hmm. um, or they say, hey, well, how about we get some coffee or right. lunch this week? You know, because they show them that they're caring. And, and I was like, yeah, that's, that's perfect. That's the response I want, right? right? I don't want the people to stay there and be like, you know, hold my arm and right. and, and talk more. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, it, it, when you said that, it made me think. I, you know, as a as a counselor, we're sort of trained. Yeah. You know, and in, in the the question in American culture, how are you? I'm yeah. fine. Great. See you later. Those things we don't think about. I don't ask it. Yeah. Unless I can hear the answer, because if I said, Larry, how are you doing? And you said, it's it's not a good day. Yeah. I'm I I on this side am saying, I need to figure out a response. Yeah. Does he need encouragement? Mm -hmm. Does he need heard? Does he need just acknowledgement and yeah. move on? What is it that he mm -hmm. needs? And the common person wouldn't pause to say, What can I do? Right. What is it that you need from me? Yeah. Um, and so they would respond in whatever way is natural. Yeah, right. And maybe sometimes hit what you need and yeah. maybe sometimes not. And so that's a hard, because we're not taught that. Yeah. You know, we don't go to school to learn how to say hello and goodbye and how are you and fine. We just learn it, right? Yeah. And so that's, it's hard to be on the other side of that. Okay, now they've told me something's not good. Now I need to do something with that. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. And, I, and it's hard to say, because I don't want to lie and say I'm right. okay and move on. Right. But I also don't want to say, hey, I had an episode today, you know? Right, right. That's hard. <laughs> yeah, you know, because then it's like, well, now, you know, this is not the time or the place to have that conversation, right? Right, right. Um, and, and usually the response I get is, I'm sorry, and mm. what can I do, actually? That's good. You know, it, it, uh, we have a lot of teachers in our congregation, mm -hmm. and they seem to be the ones who always ask the question. Um, but they, uh, you know, 
they they do well, you know. Mm-hmm. And and for me, it is just acknowledgement because I don't have time to talk about it because I'm you know if right. you ever see me here on a Sunday morning, right. I'm right. running like a chicken with his head cut off. Right. Um, you know, um, I'm having different kind of conversations. I don't have time. Right. Um, to talk about my junk. Right. Know, on a Sunday right. morning. Um, and and so you know, I just want that. You know, I'm just trying to illustrate openness right, right now. So just acknowledge it and let's move on. If you want to do a quick prayer, I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, but I, I think I'm different in that area because right. number one, I don't think a lot of people want to talk about this. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think a lot of people want to be open about their own mental issues because right. of the stigma that comes with it. That's right. Um, and, and number two, I, I have such a strong support system that I can say whatever and then what, no matter what response I get, all I have to do is go to my support system and then they'll be, and they'll, they'll lift me up, encourage me and help me fix it. That's right. Um, you know, cause this, and that, that's not what normal people have, right? Right. And I think that's the, that's the question. What do people who don't have the support system do? Yeah. You know, where do they go? And church is supposed to be a safe place yes. to be able to say, Hey, I'm not okay. Mm-hmm. And to not get, well, if you will do these four quick steps right? or, um, pat on the back I'll say a prayer for you right if you know so we teaching our people how to respond so that people feel the freedom when they don't have that support system that you have so how do you help somebody find that support system what do you tell a congregation you know and I'm asking as a pastor right? right but also as you from a mental health professional right how do you um how do you teach a congregation mm-hmm. to be supportive um, when they don't necessarily know if somebody has a mental health issue. You know, the word that comes to mind is authenticity. Okay. So for, there's nothing more powerful than for a pastor from the pulpit to say, when my wife and I had counseling mm-hmm. related to X, Y, Z, um, not to share all the, you know, the, the dirt from, you know, marriage or whatever the, the counseling was, but to normalize that, hey, yes. we went to a counselor for a period of time and it was helpful. Yes. Or so-and-so reported to me when they saw their counselor so that the word counselor or therapist is just a word like doctor, mm. right? Yes. Yeah. If you say, I went to the doctor this week, Yeah. right? Yeah. I went to my therapist this week. Why is it not, one is one part of the body, one is another. Right. So why is it not the same? So authenticity and normalization those are the two and you know for people that don't have support systems life groups or home groups or whatever churches call them yeah leading in a way that promotes that authenticity in life groups and home groups Mm -hmm. so that if on sunday morning that's not the time um your support system isn't there you know that through the week when you go to someone's home, those are your people. Yes. Those are the people you can be real with and say, yeah. this week was a hard week and here's the reason why. And right. you've got that. Yeah. So getting connected with the right people. Mm-hmm. And that's scary. Sure it is. It's scary to, to A, walk into a church, mm-hmm. and then B, to put yourself out there and go to a home group. So people are people. And, and so you have to maybe need to try some out. But that authenticity is important for for people to know it's okay to, to not be perfect, but then that leadership from the pulpit and saying, hey, it's normal 
Yes. It's normal when you have a headache yes. that doesn't go away. You either get aspirin or whatever, or over time you say, I might need to go to the doctor for this. Right. You're struggling with a particular issue. You try what you can. It doesn't go away. You go get help. Right. It's the same thing. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah, I, I think you're right. Normaliz- normalizing that is, is crucial, and which is why you know I decided to come public with right. with, so brave. with my PTSD. Right. I, it, it, it's been a hard thing, right. you know, and, and, but deciding to do that and putting myself out there, you know, for me is to help those with it as well as to say, mm-hmm. look, you can be a faithful Christian right. and, and suffer with right. mental health issues. Well, especially coming from military. Yeah. Because military is known, you know, you, yeah. you throw some dirt on it and you move on. <laughs> yeah, that's a, right? Yes. Or so, take two Tylenol for Right. Take two, yeah. you know, what's it called? <laughs> um, candy or I forget yeah, what you call yeah. it. So, you know, it, that they're especially known. So you have these layers of being yeah. a pastor. So you're supposed to, quote, have it all together. Plus right. military, throw some dirt on it. You have a lot of reasons why you wouldn't come forward or share that. Hey, I've got, I've got something going on with me. Yeah. You know, so for you to step forward, you're really, you're touching a congregation who now knows even pastors. Yeah. Struggle with things. I have had so many people since uh, I came public with this. I'm sure. Uh, come forward and say thank you, thank mm-hmm. you. You know, um, and all for God's glory because right. it's been it's been amazing to to say you know look. It's okay. Right. It's okay to feel like right. you don't want to do it today, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and pulling yourself out of that dark hole or allowing God to pull you out of that dark hole, probably more appropriate to say, mm-hmm. uh, is is crucial. Right. You know, and, and good job for mm-hmm. for admitting that right. you need that you absolutely need that help. Um, you know. Um so what can and I'm gonna just gonna make a point here. Yeah, Bob, please. Because when you take that step of faith out and you put yourself out there and say, this is what I've struggled with and you're doing it for the purpose of giving God honor, Mm -hmm. then God gets honor. Yes. If you struggle alone in your home, there's no honor in that. Right. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. And so for you to take the step and that's the hard part, that first step. And we say it on social media all the time, hashtag take a step. When you took that step knowing, Hey, I'm going to do this because God's getting honor then then look at the people now that are seeing and coming yeah. to you that might never have gotten that help. So you are getting the help that you need, but you're also having a ripple effect, not just for God's kingdom, but for, for people who are coming. So it's, yeah, you know. It's, I, that verse that comes to my mind is love others as you love yourself. And, mm-hmm. and I've said this for years and never practiced it. You know, in order for you to love someone else, you have to allow God's love to hit you first. Right. You know, <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, and I never practiced that for 15 years, and, and now I'm allowing self care to happen. And, nice. Uh, and you know, and because of certain counselors that will remain nameless in mm-hmm. your in your establishment, right. who have pushed me right. to go get self care. Right. Um, you know, uh, I, and and my wife who has pushed me mm-hmm. to to go through self care. You know, mm-hmm. uh, that's been. That's been huge, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, that's been so helpful for me, right? Um, you know, because it's it, it, it helped me to understand like I can't I can't take care of somebody else, right? Uh, until I allow God to take care of me first. There's a reason why when you get on a plane, they say put your yes. own oxygen mask on first. Yeah, exactly right, exactly right. So what? So we 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 kind of walked around this issue uh, of mental health in the church. Um, and I want to, I do want to talk about that today because I want to talk about what you think are solutions. So number one, 
it, I mean, I, I think we've already said this, but I need to, we need to say it emphatically and, and define it. Do you think that there is a stigma of mental health in the church? Yes. Okay. And, and, and how do you see that? Where, where do you see that? And, and, and yeah, just talk about that a little bit. Right. I, really, sort of what, we, what we've said, you know, as a Christian, and, and we're supposed to have it all together. Yeah. You know, you have God, so you have the answer, so there must not be any problems. And there's nothing further from the truth. Right. And there's lots of stories in Scripture of, of people who were troubled or in trouble or going through troubling times who needed God. And it wasn't because of their faith who needed Jesus. And it wasn't because their faith was wrong or right. not strong enough. And yeah. so um, really that's... I'm not sure what else to add other than, yes, I see it. And I think that whole, we have to have this facade of, you know, there's nothing wrong with us because we hold the answer. Yeah. That really keeps people from sharing. And, and, and from, a, from a cornerstone perspective, you know, from my experience here, when uh, a person comes in to mm -hmm. our church who is broken, mm -hmm. who is struggling, um, who is suffering, mm -hmm. and they see everybody around them, quote-unquote, right. right. those fingers up in right. the air now, living perfect lives, mm -hmm. they feel detached. Right. They feel like they, that, that they aren't welcomed, mm -hmm. um, you know, or they can't connect or relate. Right. And they may come for one, two, three weeks, but in our experience, they're here a week and they're gone. Mm -hmm. I, 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 I have had numerous conversations with people who have come here for a short while and left and said that the reason why they left is because it seemed like it was hard to connect. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and, and, and the, here's the thing, our church is a great church. Right. It we is. have, we have, we have, I mean, you know, Dave Blanford, right, you know, right. we have loving people. I mean, yes, I have you do. so yes. many people in our congregation, yes. uh, who, who, uh, who come up and, and love on me and my wife and yes. my kids and, you know, who would love on anybody who mm -hmm. walked through these doors. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, they, they may not know how to recognize or they may not know how to talk or may not want to talk about those personal issues. Mm -hmm. But but to hear that somebody's walking in and saying, man, I can't relate to these people because they, they seem perfect to me. Right. You know, from a pastor's perspective, that hurts. Right. Right? Because I know my congregation. I, I, I know that these are great people mm -hmm. who love Jesus and love others that, you know, and who do their best to, to share the gospel, right? So what would you what would you tell a congregation and even pastors, you know, um, on how to fix that stigma, how to correct that? Because I can guarantee you, there's nobody in this church who would who would say, "Oh yeah, we're fine with right. that." Right? right? They want to fix it. So tell us how to fix it. Right. I, I would echo that. I've known Cornerstone now for almost, again, almost 20 years. Yeah. Back when I when I met Dave and and so many of the others who are members here and I have a, a special love for this church yeah. because of, you know, your history in the community and love for this community. And yeah. so Cornerstone is a very special place and there are special people here. And so if people are leaving, it is sad. Um, you know, and I think it goes back to, you know, you know, two things. One, um, that authenticity piece, mm -hmm. um, being real with each other. Mm -hmm. And then the other is to watch for the person. Right, so to have eyes open to not just your few that you're happy to see on Sunday mornings because they're the fun ones. Yes. Um, but you know, just like we tell our kids when they go to school, who's the who's the student sitting by themselves, and why are they sitting mm -hmm. 
alone and do they need a friend, you mm -hmm. know? And so if someone comes in, you know, having that welcoming committee, because it does just take a one connection, yes. and one connection, yep. you know, and they can return. And so it's, it's two, there's two parts to it. One is, you know, being real and saying we all have good days and we all have bad days, but yeah. also being aware of people outside of our own, mm -hmm. you know, and saying, oh, look, that person, I've never seen them before. I wonder if they're new. Let me go introduce myself to them or yeah. see if they want to sit with me, yeah. you know, and do they know where they're going? Did they know which door to come in? That sort of, yeah. you know, um, so that, that, the, that awareness piece and that being real. Okay. And what, what about for the pastors? Uh, and I'm not just talking cornerstone guys, you mm -hmm. know, um, cause I think we do a, as good of a job as we can, you know, obviously no one's perfect at this, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but what would you say that church leaders across Indiana or the country even need to do to help remove this stigma? Mm -hmm. You know, there are lots of things uh, that a ch that a church can do. I can I can give you I can give you more than a dozen. <laughs> but but I let me just tell you a couple that might that might be more important to you. Okay. Um, one is this conversation that you're having. Yeah. These conversations are crucial for other churches and other church leaders to have, really to recognize that there is a need. I mean, the stat is one in five people have a diagnosable mental illness, and diagnosable mental illness isn't infidelity. It isn't pornography. Right. It isn't marriage struggles. It, it, it isn't parenting. It isn't abuse. Those aren't all, Those none of those are even diagnosable. So, wow. Right. Yeah. So if you know one in five have diagnosable conditions, plus you have all of these other challenges, yes. the need is great. Yeah. So number one, recognize that it's there, that people sitting on the pews are struggling. I think pastors know that. Yes. Probably more than most because... Right. People go to their pastor, you yeah. know, in a time of need. So to recognize the sign of people, um, people in distress, I think would be important. The other is um, recognize opportunities to bridge the gap. So um, having discussions from the pulpit as, and, and there are lots of things I, I can't even imagine every week trying to impart knowledge and share the scripture and, and coming up fresh ways. I, I can't even imagine the pressure that pastors feel to preach every Sunday. I mean, Tim's been doing that 40 years. I mean, how, I mean, how do you even, how do you do that? Every you know? Sunday for 40 years, do the math because I'm not good at it. They don't teach math in Bible college. Uh, you no. know, that's a lot of sermons. Right, like how do you do that? But any time that the topic is about anguish or suffering or marriage or parenting or yeah. real life issues. It's right. a good place to just make the statement. And we have great counselors or we have great therapists or there are people trained in this. Just making that statement to make it okay. So bridging that gap from, right. hey, I'm going to recognize there's pain out there. And I'm also going to recognize there are people that can help you with that yes. beyond just coming and meeting for it for an hour and talking about it. Yeah. You know, so there's that recognizing it, there's bridging the gap. Um, also practicing the ministry of presence is something that we say. Um, and that is giving yourself permission to not have all the answers. Yes. Um, you know, pastors, you know, we come, we go to our pastors cause we need answers. Yeah. Right. And we want to feel better. And what am I supposed to do with, and then you fill in the blank with yeah. whatever they're going to come to you for, right? right? And so as a pastor, this is what you went to school for. You're supposed to have answers. Mm -hmm. And to be able to say, you know what? This is beyond the scope of Bible college, but there are people who went to school for this. Exactly right. Yeah. You know, so to not 
to give yourself permission to not have all of the answers. It doesn't mean you're relinquishing your relationship. It doesn't mean that you're passing them off. It doesn't even mean that you don't care. It says, just like if someone came to me and they said, I'm going to talk to you about my military experience. So my grandpa was in the military and my dad was in the military. My brother is in the military, but I'm not. And so there's a code, there's a speak. And so I can only go so far. And then I say, you know what? I can talk about trauma and what we can do with trauma, but I can't talk military. I need to, I need to give you to, you know, our military person. And it's because I care that I say, I'm going to, I'm going to let you connect with someone who, this is what they do. This is what they know, you know? And so giving yourself permission to be able to do that. Here's what I always tell people, because I mean, I, I, uh, I learned this in the military. The the ministry of presence is a term we used. Mm -hmm. All the time, because I was a chaplain assistant, so so the ministry of presence was was uh, vernacular we used all the time in training. Mm-hmm. Um, what what I have learned over the over you know the course of my 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 career is that when you when you say hey listen, I'm not the right guy to give you professional advice on mm-hmm. this, but I'll be the guy to walk beside you right. when you go through it, and that that's that's really what pastors should be uh, doing, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, yes, giving a listening ear, having a shoulder to cry on, you know, mm-hmm. but realizing our limitations and, and not for, not ignoring or avoiding or not, that's probably the wrong word, but not ending the relationship once you pass them off, right. you know, um, you know, at least for a time until you know right. that they're taken care of. I mean, even the person who picked up the Good Samaritan made sure that he came back and checked on them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, I think the pastors need to do the same thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, actually, I think that's really, I, that might be a, uh, a future sermon. The, the, you know, the, the well, if you think about it, it, it doubles the support system. Yeah, it does. So if you take that person on as your own without giving another support, right. then you're the one. Yeah. That's the support. Where you open, you bridge that gap, and you offer someone else or another organization or whatever it is, mm-hmm. then you've given them even more support. And this yes. is what, what, right? We're the body of Christ. Exactly right. We all yeah. do our piece, yeah. and we let the others do theirs. I'm not going to try to do the pastor's piece. Yes. That's, that's not my role. And right. so when it comes to some questions that people ask me, I say, we need to call your pastor. Yes. Because that's a question that... That sounds like a question that needs to be wrestled with a pastor. That's yeah. not my area. Yeah. And so that's being the body of Christ. Yeah, awesome. Uh, listen, I want to finish up with just one last question. Um, I really appreciate you coming in, by the way. Um, there are people listening to this who are hurting right now, you know, mm-hmm. who are struggling with mental health, um, Christian or non-Christian, doesn't matter. Uh, just, just people, right? Uh, what would you say to them right now if you had if you had their ear because you do right I would say take the bravest most brave whichever way you say it mm-hmm. take the brave step and make the call call to talk with someone um, you're not signing up to get married yeah you're you're calling to say hey I have a need is there someone there that can help yeah so I would say not to try and go it alone that first call. Mm-hmm. was the hardest call I ever made. Right. I remember that call. Right. I, you know, uh, when I called up the VA and I said, I just need to talk to someone. You know, I would, yeah, that was hard. Mm-hmm. And I, so I get that. And But yet, mm-hmm. once you start talking about it, right. it, you know, it, it doesn't become easier per se. Right. But it, it, it becomes more comforting, you right. know, to, to talk about it. I mean, I never thought I'd be 
doing a podcast about this right. almost a year later. You know, the, the shackles of shame that keep you bound from making that first call because yeah. we think we're supposed to have it all together. Right. The moment you speak it, yeah. they're loosened. Yes. They Because now you've said it and it doesn't hold power. Yeah. And so now the work can begin. Yes. So making that call is what I would tell. There is there is effective hope. There is effective help. There is effective treatment. Whatever it is, there's hope. Yeah. Because there is treatment that works. And so you are worth, your future is worth, your, your kids are worth you doing it, making that call. If somebody wants to connect with Care to Change, mm-hmm. um, how do they do that? They can um, email us, help at caretochange.org. They can call us, 317-790-9396. There's all kinds of connections on Facebook, Instagram, social media. We're on you know, the web, caretochange.org. So whatever is the easiest way. And really, they can text. They can text that number as well. So whatever is the best, easiest way. To, to make that first step. And you have a Facebook page? We do. Care to Change. Care to Change. Mm-hmm. Is it not, not Care to Change Hendrix, just Care to Change, Care to right? Change. And All it's right. T-O, not two, not the number two. Yeah, yeah, because you don't want to be corny. Right. right. We yeah. get asked right. that a lot. <laughs> no, it's not the number two. It's T-O. Okay. Care to Change. All right. Well, uh, and we echo that uh, as far as our church goes. You know, if you... Uh, are listening to this and you want to come to a church that has honest conversations uh, and is willing to have those conversations, uh, join us each and every Sunday at 9 and 1030 uh, for both of our services. You can come to one or the other. We also have Sunday school those two hours. Uh, and I am always willing to talk. You can email me at Larry at CornerstoneRock.org. You can find out more about our church, CornerstoneRock.org. Or uh, follow us on Facebook at CCC Brownsburg, um, and you can check out what's going on there. I want to thank April yet again for coming. Thank you for having me. Uh, and and her daughter who sat here and and stayed quiet for the entire time we were talking. All time. Way to be. Uh, I couldn't do that, right? <laughs> well, uh, we will see you all next week uh, for another episode of Coffee and Conversation. Hey guys.